never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, you've seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Nasty podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. I think we've spoken briefly about Policio Teschi films before, so these are Italian crime dramas. They um, kind of, um, in a lot of ways, and we have definitely spoken about the way Italian cinema would, uh, would ape successes, maybe of, of America, and uh, do their own thing with them and kind of make them uh, intrinsically Italian. So, you know, obviously the, the, the way that um, Fulci was able to do um, unusual uh, things with the zombie genre, for example. Generally, um, these police detective dramas um, started in Italy um, and became a, a subgenre of uh, mainly in, in Italian uh, heist movies in the late 1960s, such as Bandits in Milan. And uh, as um, America kind of created these kind of rough hone uh, police thrillers, such as like Dirty Harry and that kind of thing in the early 70s, um, French and Italian films became more cynical and more violent Kind of as, to be fair, as American films did as well, you know, think of the Death Wish, for example, you know, the Michael Winner films, that kind of cynicism in in terms of, you know, vigilantism and violence, begetting violence and and that kind of thing. Italian versions feel, when you look at them now, incredibly Italian. I think, as I said, we have spoken about it briefly in the past on Video Nasty's podcast, speaking about, for example, um, when we spoke about Diodato, talking about live like a cop and die like a man. Uh, Lenzi, obviously, is a, is a, is a, has, has regularly appeared in, on Video Nasty's list as well, films like Contamination and also... Um, Cannibal Ferox. And you can argue some of his best work actually sits in this genre with films like uh, Gang War in Milan and uh, Almost Human being quite grisly, quite exploitative films. Um, and kind of the, the this the Polisioteshi films kind of overtook uh, spy dramas and uh, spaghetti westerns in the the mid seventies to be kind of quite dominant in the in the genre in the in the, in, in Italian cinema, I should say. But the late nineteen seventies, though, Italian erotic comedies and horror films had started to kind of take over. And um, the film we're talking about tonight, Beast with a Gun, originally known as La Belva Col Mitra which is also known as Mad Dog Killer, Ferocious as well, a variety of names, um, kind of sits on the precipice between um, it being a quite quite strong genre and also kind of the, the idea that basically the, the genre had run its course as people had kind of got a bit fed up with it maybe. And also, you know, it, 
if you watch certainly some of the Lenzi stuff later on, very exploitative um, bits of cinema, quite offensive bits of cinema, which have kind of exist mainly to kind of, sh- you know, to, to, to shock. Mad Dog Killer uh, from 1977, as I said, is uh, directed by Gide Sergio Grisho, who uh, would be his final film. Loosely inspired by, uh, well, an Italian mobster from Milan, who we'll talk about briefly and later, is uh, 90 minutes of quite, well, let's put it this way. Um, somebody gets thrown out of a car, there's a rape, a man is buried alive, covered in lime, um, people, are, people, are, people are shot, and that's the first 30 minutes of the film. It basically goes wall to wall, all the way through, quite trying to, trying to shock you, to offend you, to, to, to be affecting, if only in, in a way that kind of catches the attention through its, its grisliness and its uh, lack or wish not to hold back. And that's how it wants to, you know, grab the attention and, and, and shock you and keep you keep you involved. Indeed, it's uh, almost relentless, in fairness. And although you could argue it can never possibly keep up with the, uh, the onslaught of that first 30 minutes, my God, does this film try. Yes, I'm going to kill your friend, and I'll do it very, very slow. I'm going to inflict much pain. You're going to hear a guy beg for his life, lady, because he betrayed Nani Vitali. That's the car I want. Don't worry. There will be no bloodshed. Don't worry. There will be no bloodshed. The police! The police! Rat and louse is out there! Go on, guy! Go on! You afraid of me, are you? Let her alone! You're not afraid of me? No, let me go! Let me go! Hold it. Take the girls along. We'll need them as hostages. Inspector Santini. (laughs) So nice to see you, Inspector Santini. Shoot him for you, crazy. I'm sorry, I lost my temper. You're lucky you don't get a bullet in the brain. Check outside. I told you, no one ever comes here. Hi. Ah! He needs a doctor. You gotta leave him like this. Let me go.
so yeah, so written uh, and directed by uh, Sergio Grisho. The story tells about uh, a guy called Nani Vitali who escapes from prison um, at the very, very start of the film and goes on this absolute rampage. They rob a petrol station, beat up the owners. They kidnap um, somebody who had been involved in tipping them off to the authorities, which led to Vitali's arrest. They kidnap him. They murder him. They rape his um, his girlfriend. And um, then at that point, Vitali kind of sets his sights on um, the Santini family. Um, so the Santini family were the, the son of the prosecutor who set who uh, sent to Vitali uh, tries to stop him. Uh, a guy called uh, Commissioner well, Commissioner Santini, um, and also a number of. Uh, Family members are, are kidnapped, and it kind of um, escalates uh, as we go on um, to the point that um, Vitali's uh, is 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 so brutal, so bloody, and so vicious, and is it's in what he's doing that it's uh, it, it you know it, you get into um, quite 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 grim. Um, stuff quite quickly and uh, that continues throughout the film so Sergio Grisho the, the, the filmmaker was uh, started in film in the Soviet Union in 1931 uh, before uh, making his directorial debut in 1950 in some melodrama and he directed 40 films between 1950 and this is his last film in 1977 writing his own screenplays a lot of the time as well so, and you're looking at classic Italian uh, films and the, and the kind of things you, you kind of expect, to be fair. Swashbucklers, Sword of Sandals, Eurospy films, uh, and, and, you know, the, the kind of films that, um, you know, are imitations of James Bond movies. And then finally leading up to uh, this, he also wrote um, the screenplay for The Inglorious Bastards uh, from 1978, uh, which obviously, you know, was um, inspiration for the... Uh, Quentin Tarantino, uh, Second World War film. We'll get into um, a little bit more about Tarantino in a bit because uh, it's clear that this is this film has been an influence on him in the past as he, he tends to be. So this Vitali character is played by um, Helmut Berger, who um, he's an Austrian uh, who's you know kind of renowned for playing these kind of kind of horrendous characters in the 60s and 70s. Um, he did also appear in The Godfather Part 3 and Dynasty as well. But um, certainly uh, he did very well in, in the 60s and 70s up to a point uh, before kind of things started to kind of ebb away a little bit, although he did appear in Salon Kitty in 76. But uh, but in the little little bit later on in his time, he became quite 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 bitter and cynical, and um, had a very personal crisis after his partner died as well. So um, and certainly by the, um, the turn of the century, he um, he kind of stepped away from the screen. Although he is coming back a little bit as well these days. Um, he's a complicated man. Um, I think there's um, there's a film um, called Helmut Berger Actor which kind of um, shows that he's a complicated man, <laughs> to be fair, to the point that Berger actually later filed a, a lawsuit against the uh, the filmmaker who made a guy called Andreas Horvath. 
The film also stars um, Marissa Mel, who, in fairness, has a is, is kind of has a bit of a rum deal from the from the film. She she's she's in the film early doors. Um, she's she's raped, uh, and then with about half hour to go, she is dropped unceremoniously from the from the storytelling um, in favour of uh, what can only be described as a, as a younger model as the narrative shifts gear to something else. Um, but you know she appeared. In, in plenty of films, including Jala, Seven Bloodstained Orchids, mentioned before, Gang War in Milan, the, the Lenzi film, she's in that. Um, certainly, I would probably argue that um, her strongest stuff and probably the, the, the bigger work was a little earlier than this film. She's Eva in the Mario Bava uh, Danger Diabolic from uh, 1968. Um, Eva is is certainly in that film um, kind of highlights as being this, you know, incredible um, goddess character. Um, and, and Barbara gives, you know, a lot of screen time, a lot of presence to it. Um, although obviously, you know, as with a lot of Barbara films, it's, it's only later on that it's being uh, looked at and kind of reassessed as, as a classic bit of cinema. Anyway, she, she, I think early doors, her life was you know, quite glamorous and then, as, she, as she's got a bit older and it, it kind of um, didn't, didn't quite work out for her in, in such the same way. And she died aged 53 in Vienna um, in, in, in less than um, glamorous circumstances. Probably the weakest link in, in, in what is a, a reasonably strong cast, considering that what, what the, as you can probably tell from what I've been saying, it's quite an exploitative <laughs> uh, crime thriller, is Richard Harrison, who, who plays this commissioner who's, who's on the hunt um, I mean, he appeared in all sorts of variety of stuff, um, a lot of cult stuff. He did appear with Antonio Margariti, who's who we've spoken about before. Um, and while he did well in the 60s in these kind of spaghetti westerns, um, in the 70s, he was kind of locked again to these exploitation films, such as this one, to be fair, but also um, kind of, you know, second tier um Spaghetti Westerns, such as Dig Your Grave Friend, Sabata's Coming, which is um, not the best one from that, but from those, those those films. And I think this film certainly now has um, a bit more of a reputation than it, it would have had um, because Quentin Tarantino uses a clip of it in Jackie Brown and uses uh, some sound effects. Oh, some, sorry, sorry the, 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 some of the soundtrack from uh, uh, Umberto. Smiler's uh, soundtrack, the main theme is used. In fact, which is a, it is a good quality theme tune. It's it, you know, and, and, and you could you could see why this kind of film would attract Tarantino. It's quite gritty. It's quite violent. It's very violent, and it, it is quite exploitative. It's a, it's a, it's a, of these kind of films, it, it goes to to more extremes than most. So that's that's not that surprise. And and indeed, obviously, you know, although. Smaler's um, main body of work is in from soundtracks um, genre films such as Sweets from a Stranger from the 80s. He also did some TV and stuff. Unsurprisingly, being included in a, in a Tarantino soundtrack is probably the the, 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 the biggest role, despite the fact that it's been you know, ripped um, as, a, as, a, as a nod. And of course, um, Helmut Berger is actually um, name checked in that film as well. So, you know, that's quite cool. 
And then, of course, the film is very loosely based on uh, on the mobster, the Milanese mobster, Renato Valenzasca, who um, became a kind of a mob boss celebrity. Still alive at the moment, so there he is. Uh, he's in prison. You see, the thing was, in the 70s, he was arrested and then escaped and lived life as a fugitive for a number, for a period of time. You see, he attempted to escape from prison more than once. He was involved in fights, beatings. He was involved in prison riots. So he kept on getting transferred to different prisons. In fact, he was in 36 different prisons in four and a half years. So, And in the end, he found a way of escaping by contracting hepatitis. He was, he was transferred to hospital where he managed to escape with the help of a, a complacent policeman and then went on the run. By 79, he was back in prison and then with various prison riots. He, he, he's, you know, the thing is, you know, he's a reasonably good looking lad, a complete head case. I mean, off the wall head case and just created this myth around himself. So, it's not that surprising, therefore, that, you know, while this kind of, I wouldn't say romanticised version of him, but a, a person who's, you know, always against the law, always kind of fighting his own fights and kind of getting in the way and being a trouble causer, the public can, will gravitate towards that, regardless of the fact that he's exactly the kind of person you want to keep a million miles away from kidnappings, robbery, killing policemen. These aren't, these, these aren't the actions of a person that you would normally consider to, you know, to be uh, myth-making excitement. But nonetheless, that's where we were with that. So the film, uh, Beast of a Gun, um, was uh, shot in, uh, in Milan and uh, locations in and around Ancona. It's around the sea in in the marsh region of of central Italy and was released um, under various, well, it it did well in America, in in Italy for starters, then was released under various titles such as Beast of a Gun, The Human Beast, Mad Dog Killer and Ferocious as well in in the US. The film was released as uh, in an uncut format on VHS and was seized uh, by police, but then obviously not prosecuted, as all Section 3 films are. Um, but now has been re-released by 88 films as, uh, as as Mad Dog Killer. It was released under the frame in the phrase in the UK, originally Street Killers. Again, um, the film, like a lot of exploitation films, as we've spoken about in the past, has been released under numerous names. So yeah, it's now been released in, in the UK by 88 Films. It's also available in the US on Blue Underground. Um, the 88 Films release is lovely. It's a lovely release. It's also available on uh, Amazon Prime if you uh, if you don't want to put your hand in your pocket for the Blu-ray. I'd argue if this kind of exploitive Italian crime drama is your thing, then this is something that you probably should have on your list.
you want to get hold of me, please do. Well, first things first, thanks very much for listening. But yeah, if you want to contact me, please do. My email address is vidyanassipodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at orange underscore monkey, or you can go to the website slashtrapodcast.com or vidyanassipodcast.com. Um, one thing I want do want to highlight, if you Google Brit Flicks podcast, there's a great podcast that came out about a month ago now, um, unfortunately, but it, it, it's fab. It's five great Vipco films, which would be right up your street if you're a Video Nasties fan. It's by uh, Jason Impey, who uh, wrote the uh, Vipco, The Untold Story, um, which, you know, has, has, has a fantastic, uh, well, give it a listen. It's great stuff. Generally, I mean, the Britflix podcast is, is fab anyway. I appeared on myself on one point back in the day. But, um, but certainly I would recommend, uh, you know, the, 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 have a look for it. it, it it's, been, it's been running for quite some time and um, really highlights lots of great work that, uh, that, that, that's, been, uh, that's been happening, you know, uh, in the industry. Anyway, next week um, we're going to talk about John Carpenter. A little-known film, not sure if you've heard of it before, called The Thing. Apparently, it's quite good. I'll have to catch up on that. I'm sure you will. Um, so, yeah, we're in a classic cinema territory again. So, until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on video? Oh, you never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. <laughs>